Hey, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 5. I'm going to start out this morning. I'm going to read this. I'm going to give you some context of what I'm about to read for you. Um, this is a point in Jesus' ministry when Jesus yeah, has kind of gained some notoriety. People know who he is. He has a reputation as being kind of this miracle worker. There's a lot of questions surrounding who he is because he's beginning to make a name for himself. And as he's walking, he's being called uh, to go and heal this official's, uh, this ruler's daughter, and she's dying. And as he makes his way, he encounters a woman who has an infirmity of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, I want to give you some context for this as well, that culturally, what that meant was is that she was boxed out of society. She was considered unclean. There's a lot of stigma. There was a lot of shame. There's a lot of weight. And so this is a story of this woman um, encountering Jesus. Listen to this. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal. <laughs> Listen to this. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. I'm going to read that again. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Now, I'm going to stop for a second. And I want, I want us to put ourselves for a second in the shoes of this woman who is in desperate need of peace in her body. And she has spent everything. She, she has left no stone unturned. She has pressed into everything that you and I would press into. We would go to the experts. We would fly across the country. We would go, to, we would go internationally. We would do whatever we had. We would exhaust every resource possible to us in order to find a peace and a healing for our body. She's been walking with us for 12 years I want you to think for a second after 12 years, after walking with something that long, what would you be willing to do? Would you be at the end? Would you even be able to muster enough strength, hope, or confidence at all to try one more time? And this is where this woman is at. She is probably experiencing social weariness, emotional weariness, physical weariness, spiritual weariness. This woman has felt the weight of the world placed on her shoulders. There's a disturbance in her, in her soul. This is what she's feeling. I felt like today that maybe some of us have walked in the door uh, December 19th, 2021, and there's a disturbance in your peace. And I'm not proposing to you that it started in March of 2020, whatever that date means for you. But I'm telling you that it was potentially there all along. And that just helped uncover the disturbance. And the feeling that I get is that even as we walk in the door today, that there's this, there's this pull on us, there's this tension that keeps disturbing our peace, that keeps pulling on our hearts. And what are we willing to do? Who are we willing to go to? What cost are we willing to pay to experience the true peace? In verse 27, it says that she had heard about Jesus. 
So she came up behind him through the crowd and she touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I can just have one touch of this guy that I know the reputation of, if, if I can just reach and have one touch of his robe, this woman has this deep confidence, this settled confidence that if she could just touch Jesus' robe, not even his physical being, but just touch the garment he was wearing, that she would be healed. Immediately, it says, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. You know, she was probably like everyone else in that crowd. She had definitely heard of Jesus. All the people there had heard of Jesus. That's why they were, the crowd was pressing in on him. But what set her apart? She was willing to believe. She was willing to do what it took to get to him, to press past the crowd, just for one touch of Jesus' robe. This is crazy, what happens next. Jesus realized at once, verse 30, that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? <laughs> His disciples said to him, and I, and I love this because the disciples, I think, sometimes get a, get, a, get a little bit of an attitude with Jesus. This is how I read it. Like, I don't know how you read, like, when I read dialogue between the disciples and Jesus, I read, like, Jesus is just like, bro, and the disciples were like, what? <laughs> you know, like, because he's like, who touched my robe? And they're like, look at the crowd pressing around you, right? Like, let me give you some human emotion to this. They're like, are you, are you serious? It's Black Friday at Walmart, and they just rolled, they just, they just rolled back a bag of dog food to 99 cents. There's people with weapons trying to get that bag of dog food. And you ask, you're asking who touched you. You're funny, dude. That's ridiculous, Jesus. You're stupid. How can you ask who touched me? This is their, at listen, listen to their attitude. But I want you to know something. God has the ability that out of all humanity, that when you reach for him in times of desperation, he has the ability to feel your unique touch. Where you and I, it would be indiscernible that the God of creation, the God who created you, the creator knows the touch of his creation. I know the touch of one of my children. When they come up and they put their hand on me, and, or my wife and I try to teach them that if we're talking, they come up and just place their hand on us and they wait. That, the hand on us tells us, like, I'm here. I, I have something I want to say to you. Usually it's a request for something that we're going to potentially say no to. Your touch is personal. Because God is a personal God. And he made it personal when he sent the person of Jesus. 
And so there's this moment that we get to see God's heart for us to say, in the midst of a crowd, if you reach, I will know your touch because you're my child. It says, but he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, she's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. She came and she fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her daughter, that word right there, he just shifted her identity in society. Instead of, in, instead of uh, one who carries an infirmity, one who's been named to live outside the city, which, by the way, is where the dogs live. True? He changed her identity and he called her daughter. That culturally is wild that Jesus just called this woman who isn't even supposed to be touching anybody Not only would that have made him unclean, but he just claimed her as his own, as daughter. This is punishable. (laughs) Like Jesus is 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 like foretelling the future that he's he's willing to do what's punishable for you and I. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. Go in peace, he says. Today, we're going to talk about our need for peace. You know, I, I, I think sometimes when we, we think about potentials that we need, we don't always grasp with the right perspective what we truly need. In fact, on Christmas Eve, when I would beg my parents to let me open a gift, and I would inevitably be given that package of socks or underwear or these scratchy pajamas that gave my sensory issues a high alarm and alert. And they were flammable at the time, but we won't talk, right? This is, we're going old school. I'm like, You like rub them on the carpet too much and they just combust. (laughs) You know, peace in your life is like these pajamas. You don't know that you need them until you need them. Some of us today, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't know that you need the peace of Jesus Christ in your life until you realize you need the peace of Jesus Christ in your life. Today we're gonna talk about that blessing. We're gonna talk about our need for peace. The restoration, the rest, and the reach of peace. Number one, let me define for you uh, peace. It's an Old Testament uh, term, where it's where we originally see it in the Hebrew. It's where we get the word shalom. Now, we don't use that word, but if we were of a, of a Jewish descent, that word would be extremely popular, shalom, peace. And maybe you've heard that word before, but let me give you a little bit of depth on what this means. Completeness, soundness, welfare, quiet, tranquility, contentment. This, is, this word 
already means quite a bit. It's of your body being healthy and sound. So it's physical, and it's of friendship. Now listen to this. With God, especially in covenant relationship. So if, 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 if I was Jewish and I said to you, Shalom, that means like go in peace. I'm saying to you that at the deepest part of what I want for you is that you would be restored and living in a covenant, content relationship with the God who created you. Whether you realize you need it or not, I'm going to bestow that on you. Our peace, your peace, my peace begins in and is perfected in the person of peace, Jesus Christ. He's the center of everything. He's the center of your shalom. Isaiah 9-6. This is, in the book of Isaiah, this is a, a, a prophetic verse. This is prophecy. This is speaking to the future. This is the thing that's amazing about Jesus. Before he was born, you're talking years and years and years, hundreds of years, thousands, or before like through the Old Testament, you hear stories talking about Jesus before Jesus was born, and this is one of those. And this prophet Isaiah, he, this is what he says. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This is what we're celebrating this, this coming weekend, right? The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This word prince is ruler of rulers. So you may find peace, but you don't find the peace of peace. You don't find the ruler of rulers of peace. You may find somebody that can give you a piece of peace, but not the fullness of peace, not the shalom. Are you with me? And God knew in, in his expert opinion... He diagnosed our need for these things, a wonderful counselor, because God knows we need counsel. I need counsel in my life. When I think I, I, got, I have it all together and I don't need counsel is when I need counsel the most, right? He knew that we needed a mighty God, a powerful God, not a weak God, not a limp-wristed God, not a God that lays down, not a God that created uh, humanity and then put himself far away and sat back and put his feet up on heaven's stool and went, well, let's watch and see how this all turns out. <laughs> it's like a, he's binge watching our lives as a Netflix series. <laughs> he's a mighty God. He is a present God. He's an everlasting father. You know what that means? When my earthly father may have failed is when my heavenly father outlasts. When your perspective of fatherhood is, is perverted or tweaked because humanity got in the way perhaps in your life and my life. God says, I am the everlasting father. I knew in my infinite wisdom you're going to need an everlasting father. Someone that's going to love you when you are the most unlovable. And he knew we needed a prince of peace. Because some of us, 
We're living with the deep disturbance of our circumstances, our troubles that have turned to turmoil. And it goes on, it says his, his government, the word government is not like we think. It's kingdom rule or dominion, it's ownership. His ownership and its peace will never end. That word never end, the reason why in English we say never end, because if you look at it in the uh, Hebrew, it means it's ever increasing. It doesn't mean that it's, it never ends, like it's just moving at 55 miles an hour and just keeps going at 55 miles an hour. Do you understand that God's peace is, is it's like, it's not volatile, that it, it's not like cryptocurrency, okay? I'm sorry, small percentage of you are gonna, I won't start talking about NFTs or the metaverse, okay? <laughs> Total ADD moment. God's peace is ever increasing. That's why it never ends. It's on a trajectory doing this. And it just doesn't stop. That's why it never ends. It's not on cruise control at 55 miles an hour. Because it never ends and it's on a trajectory of ever increasing, it always has the ability to surpass any problem that you have because his peace is increasing. Okay, I'll leave that for you to think about. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna preach. It says, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord. I listen to this verse. Listen, 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 Linda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies. Whoa. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies. There is... There are armies, plural, of heaven that will make this happen. What is backing your peace? A mighty God who has armies, plural, of his heavens that are working on your behalf to make this happen. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried today about something. You got armies working on your behalf. I love in Luke 2, 14, this is, a, this is another Christmassy famous uh, scripture, right? Uh, this is the King James. I, I like the King James version. I like the language in this. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This word peace, it's Messiah's peace. I'm gonna be giving you different, different descriptions of peace today. There's, a lot, there's actually a lot of definitions. This peace is Messiah's peace. And on earth, the Messiah's peace, God's goodwill toward men. Uh, Messiah's peace is the way that leads to peace. What this is pointing to is that the Jesus that was sent, that the shepherds are singing about, that we're talking about today, is the only way of peace that you and I have that is 100% absolute. And God has sent it on a trajectory aiming right for your heart, aiming right for your life, aiming right for your circumstances. It is the only way, it is the way, it's the Messiah's way. And because of this, because, 
our need for peace and our, our need for the restoration of peace, we're no longer at war with God. Peace has given us the ability to no longer be embattled with God because of sin, but now we can live in restoration with God because of Jesus' blood covering sin. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. There's no greater peace than the contentment of being in right standing in a restored relationship with God. Let me tell you something. There is no greater peace than the contentment of being in right standing in a restored relationship with God. I'm going to go back to Isaiah. It says, and the work of righteousness will be what? Peace. The work of righteousness will be peace. And the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Do you have forever confidence? If you don't, maybe you don't have the peace that only Jesus can give. And it's found in righteousness. What is righteousness? I'm gonna define these because this is, this is, if we don't get this, nothing else that I say matters today. Really. We have to get this. What is righteousness? It's right standing and right thinking from being in right relationship with God. Righteousness is right standing. I'm standing before you, God, and right thinking because I am in right relationship with God. Peace, then, could be defined as the blessing of being in right standing with God. If you want to know peace in your life, it requires standing in right relationship with God. Period. It's the blessing of it. And do you know what a blessing is? Oh, I love this definition of blessing. We think blessing is like, oh, would you bless me? And then, and then we just tell you, uh, it's a request, right? It, it's, it's, I'm, I'm gonna put in my request. I'm gonna ask the DJ to bless me and play my song. It's a, it's a request. I'm gonna ask Jesus, the DJ Jesus, I'm gonna put in, would you bless me and would you heal me from my infirmity? It's a blessing. We think a blessing is something we ask God for and God does for us and we say, oh, I'm blessed. How are you doing today? I'm blessed. Why? Because God did for you what you asked him to do, the thing you perceived you needed. A blessing is actually when something is bestowed upon you that you don't even know that you need yet. So in the Old Testament, when the priests would bless the congregation, they would be speaking things over the nation of Israel that the nation of Israel at the time was like, why do we need this? And it frustrates you and I sometimes because we're like, why do I need the scratchy pajamas, man? Because you don't know that you're going to be cold and you're going to be left out and you need these onesie scratchy pajamas that are flammable. <laughs> so this woman is like, God, I just need you to fix me. I need you to fix my problem. I need you to fix my infirmity and I'll be good. And what does Jesus do? He says, I understand that you're asking me to fix you, to heal you, to move in your life. God's saying to you today, I understand that what you're asking for is for me to move in this circumstance of your life, but I want to bless you with my peace. I actually want to give you more than you asked for. I'm going to give you something that you don't even perceive you need, and this is what the woman received. Would you, would you, would you to fix my problem? And Jesus is like, woman, 
I'm not only going to fix your problem is like under the umbrella of what I'm going to give to you. God knows that you need relationship with him, and he's made the peace of his restoration available to everyone. That's what I love. To every single one of you and, and me and anyone else that ever has been, that is, and will be. Number two, our need is for the rest of peace. I think some of us uh, desperately need rest, and I'm not talking about the lack of activity. I'm talking about the lack of mental and emotional activity that has you wrapped up in worry, that has you wrapped up in your blood pressure and your heart rate went up when you read the news or you see the headline or there, there's the, or, and, uh, and then the stock market and then the Fed and then my boss and then, uh, and, and, and you said, we're, we're walking, we're, we're like our emotions are up here, right? We need the peace of God. It's like we, we are, we're not, we're not resting in who he is. He says, when he says, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. This word, this word peace, like go in peace, let me give you a definition for what this means. This go in peace is, the peace, it's his goods, check this out, his goods are secure from hostile attack. His goods are secure from, it's a settled confidence, it's a restfulness. His goods are secure from hostile attack. Now, why is it important that Jesus told her this? Because if you remember in the story, she thought she had found peace before when she went to the doctors, when she went, she did all the practices, when she spent all of her money on that thing. It's like, I think I'm gonna find peace if I just get that big screen TV. I think I'm gonna get peace if I just get that job. I think I'm gonna have peace if we can just deal, we can get that education, if we can, if we can buy that house, if we can have that perfect spouse or have that perfect child or have that perfect relationship or live on that perfect street. See, I'm, I, I, I'm going after peace because I know that if I can, I, it's, it's, that's peace is in that. She thought that she found it. All the money spent on all the promises, all the time spent on all the practices, leaving you without the security of healing from your suffering. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus knew she needed security. So she wouldn't live any longer in the worry of her what ifs. What if? Jesus moved on this woman's life. Jesus moved on your behalf, but what if? Jesus, thank you for my salvation, but what if I can't pay my bills? Jesus, thank you for my salvation, but what if I can't eat? Jesus, thank you for my salvation, but what if I live alone for my entire life? Thank, thank you for my salvation, but what if I don't get to work on time? Manage your time better. He knew instead of living in the worry of her what ifs, because of her history of false security fails, Jesus sent her away with the peace of God. Peace of mind. Have you ever heard that term? I just need peace of mind. <laughs> Some of your minds are running wild, causing a disruption in your peace. Here's the problem. I want you to know this. As a follower of Jesus, you can know peace with God without experiencing the peace of God. I'm gonna say that again. 
You can say yes to Jesus and you could know peace, restored peace with God. You're no longer at war with him. But you're not living with the peace of God and you're at war with your worry now. Are, are you catching what I'm saying? Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's what? Peace, which exceeds anything we can what? Understand. Worry is your stress and struggle to understand how God is gonna provide his welfare for you. And welfare is peace. So I'm gonna worry about God, how you're gonna actually give me peace. And it tells me right here, I'm not gonna understand it anyway. So can I just help you today? Would you stop worrying about something that you're not gonna understand anyway? Because here's how my life has gone every single time. 2020 hindsight, I look back and go, God, I never would have guessed you were gonna move like that. I never would, I never would have guessed that I'd be standing where I'm standing now, God, you would have done what you, I never would have guessed that you would, and I've walked with people for 20 years in ministry and seen this happen and time after time after time and time, time again in their life. You and I can't guess, why? Because we can't even understand it. It says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, check this out. And now, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting your and putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. This is Paul speaking to his friends. Then the result of fixing your thoughts, not on worry, but on these things, then the God of peace will be with you. God is with you, but you're struggling to experience the peace of God. Perhaps you're fixing your thoughts on things that are robbing you from your peace. Lastly, our need for the reach of peace. Jesus does something remarkable here. This is that Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out for him, so he turned around to the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? <clears throat> Let me frame this moment for a second. Do you think Jesus knew that it was against tradition? It was ceremonially wrong and it was punishable by law for this woman to touch him. Do you think Jesus knew that? Yes, he did. Why? Because Jesus grew up and knew the laws of his Jewish culture. Jesus knew this. And this is the thing about Jesus. He knew this, he knew, he knew, he knew someone had touched him, but he calls this woman out of obscurity Why, like, he's putting her in potential harm and he's putting himself because he now is going to be ruled as unclean. 
So here Jesus is. He intentionally calls a woman out of obscurity. And this is a picture of God calling you and I out of our hiding place and to be present with ourselves, to be present with him. It's, it, it takes us back to the original garden moment when sin occurred and broke this relationship that needs to be restored by the person of peace. Uh, Adam and Eve are running around in the garden, presumably with no clothes on, because it says that God's walking in the cool of the day and says, where are you? What's he doing? He's calling them out of obscurity, out of their sin. God's calling us today, if we'd be willing to reach for him, if we'd be willing to step out of obscurity, if we'd be willing to go after him, he's saying, I wanna call you out into the open. I wanna call you into a place of vulnerability. I wanna call you into a place where you're being intentional with me. And this woman, I'm sure she's thinking, she said she was full of fear and trembling. Let, let, me, let me just, let me, let me fill in in my brain what she's thinking. She's thinking in this moment, I don't want to identify myself. Oh, 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 oh God, I, I just touched the hem of his robe and I'm healed. And I, I, I don't want to identify myself I, I, because the shame and the guilt and what will people say and, and it's all, it, it's, it's the what ifs. You, you, you just, have you ever been in that spot before where you're like, I'm, I just don't, I don't want to, I, I want the blessing. I just don't want to have to be bold and stand out and step in. I don't want to press in. I, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been pressed out, but I, I'm, I'm afraid to be, like, press in. This week I'm preparing for this message and I'm sitting in the office and no one's really in the building except Billy who runs our entire facilities, runs our entire campus. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I need a book. So I got up from the desk I was sitting at and I just didn't even think, I just got, I walked out, I walked out front and I, I opened the door and went to my car and unlocked it and grabbed the book and turned around and the door had shut. Now here I stood, I don't have the key to get in, and I, I, I don't have my savior, my iPhone. So here I stood, locked out, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? So there's one car in the parking lot, this woman is parked in the back of the parking lot, she's watching me, and here I am. By the way, it was the day that we had like our one day of winter here in Southern California this week. It is like pouring rain, windy. I have a shirt, a sweatshirt, a jacket on, and I'm knelt down at our front door, and I, and I realize if I would just be willing to even in front of everybody, because this woman's like watching me. She's like, what's this dude doing? I'm like pacing in front, like how am I gonna get in? I'm locked out. And I had to bend down and I pushed the mail flap open and I'm yelling through the building, Billy! And I'm getting kind of old, so it just hurt to bend down. I was like, oh, but I had to do it because I was locked out. Billy was on the backside of the building back here. So I'm like, where the heck is Billy? And I'm like, I don't have my phone. What am I gonna do? I don't know anyone's phone number because they're all on my phone, but I don't know the number, it's just their name. Are you with me? So I was like, I don't even know, I can't even call anybody on someone else's phone because what's their phone number? And I'm like, Billy Reynolds? 
references to contact. I don't. And I'm like, I'm starting to panic. My peace was starting to get disturbed. And I realized, you know what? I, 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 I have to be, I gotta, go, I gotta go a little bit further. So I start walking around the building, banging on all the doors and windows. And I get to the back and I bang on this window and I, I see this hand go boom, boom, and bang back. <laughs> it was Billy. Billy wasn't far from me. I just thought he was far. I, his truck was parked outside and I kept looking and going, I know Billy left. I know he's not here. No one's answering, Billy! And this woman's just watching me, all disturbed, lost my peace. says that this woman pressed in even when she was shut out. Think about this. Everything she knew is security she had been pushed out of for 12 years. And what was her response? I'm being pushed out, but I'm going to press in. I'm being pushed out and I'm not going to rest until I have the rest of Jesus. I'm being pushed out, but I'm going to press in. And his disciples said, how are you, how do you even know someone touched you, all these people pressing in on you? And the word pressing means to bump. Here's what this means. Jesus knew her touch because it was an intentional touch. There were lots of people that knew Jesus by reputation and were bumping into him. That perhaps you can bump into Jesus but never believe in Jesus. That perhaps today the peace that you need in your life is you've been bumping into the person of Jesus. You heard about him, you know his reputation. You've watched a couple times on our online campus, but you don't believe in Jesus. You're not willing to step out of obscurity. You're not willing to be vulnerable. You're not willing to get down if you have to and yell, yell through the mail slot. Jesus! You're not willing to look crazy to the woman watching you in the parking lot. You're not willing to walk around and bang on the windows of heaven until Jesus comes running. You're not willing to do what it takes to reach past religion to get a relationship. You're not willing to come to Jesus although you're not clean because he's the one who makes you clean. You're not willing to do what it takes to seek out, to crawl toward, to press in when you've been pressed out. And today, your peace is close. Your peace is near. But we have to push in. We have to press in. We have to reach out. We have to go beyond what the traditions tell us that we can do. Woman, you're not allowed to press in. You're not allowed to reach out. You're not allowed to touch the hem of Jesus. 
And I'm telling you today that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that today, December 19, 2021, you have an opportunity today to stand to your feet and to reach out, to stand to your feet and to reach in, to press past, to look crazy if you actually look crazy to the rest of society. Man, that, that looks crazy. He's running around in the parking lot. It's windy and raining. What's he doing? Why don't you stand with me today? I'm going to leave you with this scripture and a couple practical things real quickly. This is Acts 17, 26. This is after the ministry of Jesus' church has started. Jesus has been born. He's entered into ministry. He's been murdered. He's overcome sin by overcoming death, and he's left the tomb empty. He's now seated at the right hand of his Father, his rightful place, and he now is giving us the ability to walk in authority, and that's where the scripture is written from. And it says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God, listen to this language, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, reach out and touch him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. The idea here is, is that he's not breathless. He's a living God. He's not one that can be created, fashioned, or formed. That he's the one who created you, fashioned you, and who formed you for a purpose and a reason that he set his love upon a trajectory to save you, that today you have an opportunity to experience the peace of Jesus Christ, the restorative peace, the rest of it, if you're willing to reach for it. Let's close our eyes. What are you reaching for that's not giving you the promise of peace that only Jesus can give? What are you reaching for? There's a lot of things we could be reaching for. You could be reaching for a substance, something you smoke, something you inject, something you drink. We've normalized the use of substances in our society to the point where it's infiltrated our ability to actually live in true peace and contentment and rest. We are partnering with idols that don't have breath and they will not give you the peace that you need. They will leave you addicted to a false sense of security. And I'm speaking against that right now. The answer is reach, reach to Jesus rather than a substitute of false security. Today, if you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't have one, I wanna give you an opportunity to step into that. Would you simply just, would you raise your hand if you need a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Listen, if that's you today, no matter where your starting point is, no matter what's going on, could you, could you do this? Step out of obscurity. And I'm gonna ask you before you leave here, um, if you come down to my right, to your left, there's a ministry team down here that just wants to pray with you. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on. And we're gonna be like the woman and we're gonna step out of obscurity. Vulnerability, openness, and being intentional. What are you fixing your thoughts on that are robbing you from the promise of peace? Perhaps some of you today are fixing your thoughts on things that are providing otherwise. My challenge for us this week is that we would reach for Jesus and we would fix our thoughts on those things that are lovely and pure and admirable, that are excellent, worthy of praise. If you need prayer this morning, before you leave, I'm gonna encourage you to come down. There's, um, there's a handful of you right now that as I was just even speaking this morning, you, you're experiencing, you're sensing and experiencing a need for peace. If you need peace this morning, if you've been living and there's a disturbance, the word that I got this morning was a disturbance in the force. Like if there's a disturbance, if you've been feeling the disturbance, this last week, I felt like there was an uptick in this. I really, and I think we began seeing that, phone calls and conversations. If, if you've just been feeling an increasing disturbance, um, I wanna pray for you. I want our ministry team to pray for you. And you can just come forward and we're gonna pray for you. Um, there's a number of you that have just been praying for God to move uh, on your behalf, to move in ways in your life, in your family, or whatever's going on. We wanna continue to pray with you for that. For the rest of us, why don't you just um, open your hands if you feel comfortable doing so. Father, today as we go, as we move into this week, um, potentially the tension of this week, as we move into this week, we would move God with a heart that says we are gonna place um, all of our peace in you. We're gonna place you as the promise and the source of our peace. God, we're gonna go with you. We're gonna move with you. We're gonna, we're gonna fix our thoughts on you, on your son, Jesus Christ, as the centerpiece of all of this. So as we move into and we come up to Christmas Eve and we're doing our last minute shopping or for some of us doing our first minute shopping that is last minute shopping and you're feeling the strain of that. God, that whatever is happening, we would understand that we're walking with you in peace and we're able to experience your peace and we can be peaceable with the people around us. Let us be a people of peace. Let us reach for you today and experience and extend your peace. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.